You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Beyonce's visual album, Lemonade. (laughs) How are we supposed to lead our children to the future? How do we lead them? Love, L-O-V-E, love, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I just love the Lord, that's all I got, period. When your back is against the wall and the wall is against your back, who you call, who you call, you gotta call him, you gotta call Jesus because you ain't got no other hope. Herein ends the reading from Beyonce. (laughs) This gospel, according to Beyonce, rang through my head all week as I was flummoxed and angry and maybe a little bit despondent that I had to yet again stand before you guys and find something to say after another mass shooting and hate crime and during the one-year anniversary of another mass shooting and hate crime because I'm out of things to say. I'm out of wisdom. I'm out of patience. And then a couple days ago, our housemate Ty tagged me in a Facebook post. It was a four-panel comic strip called Coffee with Jesus, and a pastor says, I don't have answers for people right now, Jesus. To which Jesus responds, you don't have to have answers for everyone, Joe to which the pastor understandably says, but they're looking to me. And Jesus just says, then make sure you get them to look at me, Joe. So between Beyonce and a comic strip, I felt like maybe I could preach a sermon today. (laughs) We have a million ways to respond and reflect and react outside of this room to the victimization of already vulnerable communities, Hispanics, queer folks, African Americans, Muslims, etc., and we've been doing that. We've reached for what to do, so we've gathered for vigils for Orlando and Charleston. We've shared memes and articles on social media. We've contacted legislators and gathered with our friends and checked in on each other. But here in this room, here, is where we look to Jesus. Here is where we reach for the Prince of Peace, like we ain't got no other hope. Fortunately, our reading for today is a useful one, the Gerasene demoniac, a story about an outsider to whom Jesus drew close, a man who lived naked and raving mad in the tombs, alienated from the townspeople. It's perfect because I myself feel very much still still in the tombs at the moment, and I imagine many of you do as well, seemingly trapped in our feelings that nothing will change. And besides, you know, being among the tombs can come to feel safe, 
at least safer for some folks than being among the townspeople. Yet this week, as I reflected in my darkness, I kept seeing this really particular image. I kept seeing an image of this madman from Gerasene's filthy arm, scabbed over and wounded from shackles and indignity, reaching out from the tombs and reaching toward Jesus on the shore that day. Maybe in his pain and alienation, he didn't feel ready. Maybe he didn't feel hopeful yet. But he could see Jesus from where he stood, and he reached out. And this evening, listening to our song, our prayers, and our alleluias, I see us reaching our own dirty, injured arms out toward Jesus. Because when your back's to the wall, who are you going to call? you got to call Jesus because we ain't got no other hope. And to be clear, the hope we see in the Gerasene demoniac isn't there because he reached out on the shore that day. The hope we find in this story is that Jesus was already approaching him even before he reached out. Jesus was already in his boat approaching the tombs because Jesus is familiar with exile. I read a blog post this week by Ben Moberg that I shared with you all that is perfect. And he said this, he said, this is what I love about God. The church has driven out LGBTQ people for centuries with an especially intense malice over the last several decades. And in response to this, God just says, okay, fine. We're good out here. Where you chase my people, I will be with them. Where they gather, I will be there. Clubs, conversations, protests, in lament and anger and tears and laughter and way too many drinks, I will be with them and I will make this right for them. I will love them more fiercely for their wounds. I will draw them close. I will know them and they will know me and they will tell you my name. So people of God, this is why it is both comfort and protest, but never vapid religiosity to speak the name of Jesus in times such as these. Because he is who draws close to the vulnerable, the hurting, and the exiled. And as a Christian, this is what I confess, that tombs are real, but they are not the most real thing. And as a Christian, this is what I confess, that God comes close to those who are cast out, God comes close to madmen in graveyards. God comes close to Hagar cast out of Abraham's house and gives her a well to nourish her child Ishmael from whom a great nation was promised. God comes close to the terrorized. And despite what we think is best, God brings God's terrible mercy to even the demons. The most disturbing part of the story of the Gerasene demoniac is not his naked, tomb-living lifestyle. It's the fact that when Jesus commanded the demons to leave this man, the demons begged Jesus not to send them into the abyss, but into a herd of pigs instead, and Jesus agreed. What the hell, Jesus? <laughs> he was merciful to the demons. To the demons. That's super disturbing to me. And yet, if I'm honest, I have to say that this is exactly the kind of savior I need. 
Because what I really want to do in moments like these is to hide and divide. That's my instinct. But the poison that created the disease cannot also be the medicine that cures it. And dividing people up is what creates white supremacy and religious extremism and purity systems and homophobia and segregation and bathroom laws. And yet, what is my reaction to all this? Blame the bad people who vote differently. Blame the bad people who think differently. Blame the bad people who post on social media differently. Blame allies who aren't reacting in the perfect way they should to immediately divide people up even further until I'm entirely alone. I mean, I may want a vigilante savior, but what I need is a savior who brings a swift, terrible mercy. What I want is a dividing savior who will draw the same lines I would draw, but what I need is a savior who makes us one, a savior who lifted up, draws all people to himself, not just the worthy, not just the lovely, the likely, the lucky, all people. I need a savior who commands me to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me, pray for those whose hate blinds them to their own goodness and the worth and dignity of others. And I need a savior this merciful, because it is I who needs this much mercy. Because while tombs are real, and Jesus knows this, Jesus knows this because he will also be the first to say that tombs are no place to stay. Now as your preacher, I have to be honest, I don't 100% feel hope yet. I don't. I don't 100% feel hope yet, but I can see it from here. I don't feel forgiveness yet, but I can see it from here. I don't want God to show mercy to my enemies yet, but I can see it from here. I don't feel joy right now, but I can see it from here. I can see it. It's coming for me and for all of us, drawing near to us as we reach for it. Because resurrection is about the most stubborn thing in the world. So there's nothing wrong with being in the tombs for a bit. I'm there with you. But we're not meant to stay here. Jesus is approaching us. Which sounds trite, but the thing is, he is not unfamiliar with tombs, this man. He himself knows what it means to be afraid, to survive hate. I don't think I could trust him otherwise. But he knows that hate may have won a battle, but that love will win the war. The image of an arm reaching out kept morphing for me all week until finally it was Jesus' own arm. See, because God is not bound to the confines of linear time. So I believe that in those three days after his crucifixion, when Jesus was in the tomb, that during those three days when, as the creed said, he descended to the dead, that he pulled them from their graves, like that amazing icon of Easter where Jesus is pulling people out of their tombs, and the troparian, I love to quote, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and to those in the tombs bestowing life. And since God is not confined to linear time, the image I finally saw this week was that of Jesus in his own tomb, descending to the dead, 
and reaching his pierced hands toward the hands of Simon Fernandez and Mercedes Flores and Peter Gonzalez Cruz and all the others who died on the floor of the Pulse nightclub. I believe Jesus, when he descended to the dead, reached his merciful arm out to those who died on a blood-soaked bathroom stall in Orlando last week, and he pulled them up to glory. So how are we supposed to lead our children to the future? How do we lead them? Love. L-O-V-E, love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.